one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay cc christians and constant christians and uh, we we just need uh, we, we ought to be constant consecrated christians and he said i'll establish a kingdom now verse 9 and thou solomon my son now let me stop long enough to give the picture david as you know is an old daddy he's an old man now his life is almost spent and david is the only man in the bible that god said was a man after his own heart now that may puzzle you knowing them tremendous mistakes that david made now wait a minute let me give you something it's not the mistakes that you make that kill you and ruin you it's the mistakes that you make that you won't ask god to forgive you for now, that's what kills people. That's what hurts people. We just don't have enough people that are willing to repent of sin. Listen, you haven't got a burden. I was walking in, uh, let's see, where was I walking? I guess I was walking in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. And I took off down the street and uh, trying to find a good place away from the cars and the smoke and everything where I could walk a while. And, you know, the Lord said something. He said, how many burdens do you have? See, sometimes, you know, that. oh, I'm just so burdened down. Well, the devil whip you like that, you know. I've got so many burdens. Oh, the burdens, the burdens, yeah. Have you ever heard anybody talk like that? How you getting along? Well, I'm just all right under the burdens. We've got so many burdens. Yeah. Now, you know, the Lord says, Son, do you really know how many burdens you got? And he said, Son, let me tell you something. You don't have any more burdens than I do. I said, how many you got? He said, none. There's not any, you can't burden God down. Did you know that? I mean, you can't, God never gets tired. Did you know that? He doesn't know what a burden is. And listen, he lifts me and my burdens. Then you said something else to me. He said, how many problems do you have? Well, I said, uh, I got a good many. He said, you don't have any more than I do. You have any problems I got? He said, none. Analyze it. God never had a problem. Did you know that? God never faced a problem. You'd say, what about redeem? That wasn't a problem for God. God never did have a problem. Jesus never did. A lot of people say, well, oh, it's the problems. Jesus, he didn't face any problems. Did you know that you don't have any more problems to face than God does if you just turn everything over to him and let him work it out? But we're so self-sufficient, and yet we're not. We're so independent, and yet we're not. We're trying to work everything out our own silly way, and it won't work out. You can't work it out like that. And you girls are trying to figure out and outsmart God and outsmart us and outsmart everything. You can't outsmart anybody. Why don't you just surrender and say, Lord, here I am. <laughs> Wherever you want to put me. I mean, I'm, I want to be just like a checker on the checkerboard. Just let, let God move me. Just let God move me. And we ought to be just as dead as a bunch of checkers. Did you know that? Because we don't know which way to go, do we? Now, and I tell you what, now I used to play checkers when I was a kid, but the purpose of the checker player was to get to the king role. You remember that? 
I mean, and crown me, please, when I get to the king row, and then I could go any direction I want to go. You remember that? I'd just hop backwards and forth, and I'd jump and pick them up and so forth. Ah, uh, listen, uh, that's the way Christians ought to be. You don't know which way to move. You don't know what to do. A lot of people say, well, I just don't know what the Lord's will is. I'd just keep still and read the Bible till I found it. Ah, uh, listen, dads, what kind of dad are you? What kind of pattern are you going by? What kind of pattern are you going to give your son? All right, verse 9. And thou, Solomon, thou, Solomon. Now, here's the second person. The first one is the dad. The second was the son. And uh, we're going to have a father and son banquet tonight. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart. Listen to that. The David said, son, Solomon, I want to introduce you to my father. I want to introduce you to the God that your father has trusted. And serve him with what? A perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now. Take heed now. For the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Now here it is. Be strong and do it. Be strong and do it. Son, I want you to be strong and I want you to do it. Now, then David, and here's my text. I got two great texts in this one chapter. Then David gave to Solomon, his son, the pattern. Now you know why so many boys in trouble? They went by the wrong pattern. Cigarette smoking, beer sipping, liquor drinking, dope taking, wild living dad. They didn't have a pattern. And I got, to, I got to warn you that the only pattern that a boy or a girl will know to go by is the pattern of dad and mother. Don't expect them to go by any other. What kind of pattern, daddies, are you leaving? My mother used to sew a lot. I can see those old yellow-looking patterns, you know made out of the kindly, you know, tissue paper. I can see them. She'd lay the pattern down. She'd, the first thing she'd do is she'd stretch that pattern. I mean, she'd put it over the goods. I mean, she'd just, and she'd take pins, you know, and she'd pin it around. And, and she, she didn't start cutting those goods until she got that pattern down right. Now, I don't know about sewing. That's one thing I never have gotten into. I don't mind fixing salads. <laughs> but I mean, I just, I'm not going into that sewing business. Now, Ms. Roloff got a sewing room over here. And I tell you, she's got a big board that comes down, thing like scared me to death. I didn't know what it was. And I got a hold of it and it come down like hit me. And I, I and said, that's a sewing board, you see. And uh, But there it is. And she, she likes to sew and she knows how to sew. And I mean, she can knit and all that kind of stuff, you know, deliver me from that. I mean, now that's just one thing I'll never enter into. I believe that's for women and not men. Now, I know men can do it and I wouldn't fuss at them, but just let me do something else uh, besides knitting and crocheting, you know, things like that. I mean, I just, I mean, just sitting there, you know, just all day long, you know, I mean, just hour after hour, you know, just put a little thing through and go hook it and bring it back over here, you know, and all, oh, me, I, listen, that makes me tired to even look at it. I mean, of course, I like it after it's done. Yeah, make one of those deals, you know, they're fancy and pretty and sweaters and all that kind of stuff. But there's got to be a pattern. That's what I'm trying to say. Our young people have lost their pattern. We just don't have a pattern anymore. Our dads don't want to give a pattern anymore. Our homes are not patterns. Now, we pattern after what? Hollywood. We pattern after, you know what the young people have patterned after? The Beatles came over here years ago. You remember that? Some of you are too young to remember when they came. 
the Beatles came over here, craziest bunch that ever got loose in, in America. They were, every one of them was crazy. They came over here and, and everybody that went to see them almost went crazy. And, and, and I know the policeman said, well, we hauled them off. I mean, the ambulances were called. Little girls would swoon and fall out and cave in and, and, and faint. And they just hauled them out by the truckloads. And mothers and daddies, boys, that's where your rock and roll got started. Now then, it's in the churches. I talked to an old saint of God. She just wept when she said they heard what they had to hear and looked at the people. Little girls with shorts up to here out passing out tracks. And they read their testimony. They had to read it to them. They, they said, these are the four steps right here. We want to read this to you, see. Lord, have mercy. Listen, if Jesus is in that kind of deal, I'm all wrong, and I have been wrong for years. I'm the most confused prophet of God and preacher in this generation. If they're right... And if God can bless that, and if it stands up, then I've been wrong all the time. But I've got news for you. I haven't been wrong because God's blessed it. I couldn't be wrong and see drunkards and dope addicts and girls and boys and men and women and homes blessed and saved. Somebody else is wrong this time. If they're right, why do they commit so much suicide? Why are they so immoral? We've got too many smart addicts in this generation, but what they got won't work. All I want to do, I want something that'll work. I want some peace, don't you? When I go to bed at night, I don't want war going on in my head or my heart. I want to be able to just knock it out and go on and rest and wake up in the morning and say, praise the Lord. Be arrested today. Jesus was with me. I, I want somebody who can help me. I can't live on that bunch of junk. You can't either. He said, son, I'm giving you a pattern. I'm going to give you a pattern. And I want to show you what kind of pattern it is now. It included everything that he needed. Gave to son, his son the pattern of the what? The porch. Now, that's sort of where you enter in, isn't it? I believe everything. If you're going to have a house and porch on it, and then you ought to have the pattern for the porch. So he gave him a pattern for the porch. That's where you get it. And of the houses thereof and of the treasuries. All right. Dad ought to set an example in finances. A dad ought to be very careful about the way he handles his finances. And I think sometimes a husband can be so stingy and so tight and so finicky about money until he'll discourage his whole family. But I still think he ought to be economical and frugal and he ought to be responsible. And uh, the, the houses thereof, the treasuries thereof, the upper chambers. I believe every daddy ought to have him an upper chamber in that pattern, don't you? You say, what do you think you do up in the upper chamber? I'd be able to go up and pray. You ever heard of the upper room? Yeah. And I tell you what, we've gone no way except down when the supper room came and took the place of the upper room. And so he said, uh, the upper chamber thereof and the inner parlors. Now, when you talk about a parlor, I used to think about, they used to call them the parlor. You remember that? Yeah, I said, just go sit in the parlor. Well, that's when the, sometimes a boy would come see the girlfriend and they'd head for the parlor. They'd sit in the parlor. They'd sit in there for hours. And they'd look at a bunch of old family albums or pictures, you know. And I mean, I saw too many of them myself. But I mean, uh, I wasn't really interested, but I had to look at them. That's my grandfather there on my mother's side, well. 
I didn't come see Grandpa. But I tell you what, it is better than the junk they're doing today. Have you ever thought about the misery? You can tell how miserable young people are by what they have to do to get entertained. They got to have dope. They got to have cigarettes. They got to have junk and filth and everything. And they got to be on the go. They're running. They can't stand by themselves by themselves. They got to run. They're restless. They're miserable all the time. Their feet are always itching. You know why? It's because their heart's empty. Their heart's empty. And of the upper chambers thereof, and of the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the what? The mercy seat. The mercy seat. What is the mercy seat? Well, that's where we all need to go in it. I need mercy. I need mercy. You read through the Bible where they said, have mercy. Have mercy. Well, now what David prayed? Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy living kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. <laughs> Put the blood into my sins. Notice what he said, and the place of the mercy seat. Now, verse 12, and the pattern of all that he had was by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Now, what kind of pattern do we need? Do we need an educational pattern? No, we need a spiritual pattern. He said this pattern is by the Spirit. need a spiritual pattern. Daddy, out in Radio Land, here in this audience tonight in Corpus Christi, Texas, what kind of pattern have you cut for your son? You remember an old drunkard one time? I, I read this, I guess, when I started preaching. And um, an old drunkard, he pulled out and started heading for the gin shop. And he got across the snow, it was snow on the ground pretty thick, and he looked back behind him and he saw a little old boy coming. And he looked, he said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm stepping in daddy tracks. He said, what? I'm stepping in your tracks. The daddy gave his testimony later and said he went back and picked up his little son and carried him back to the house and stayed at the house and said, I never did go to the gin shop anymore. Huh. Brother, he'd had the wrong pattern for the little boy, and the little boy was going with the pattern, wasn't he? You remember the story out in California when they was having a big parade that day and the armies were marching and uh, the paper came out with the saddest story. All the mothers and the little children that gathered by the side of the street and the army had come down the main street and they had all sorts of marching and, and, and carrying. And the little boy, when he saw his daddy come by, he waved at him and jumped in behind him and got run over and killed. He was marching. And that's the last thing he said. He hollered at his mother and said, I'm marching like daddy. That's right. That's what got some of you girls in trouble, wasn't it? You marching like daddy and like mother. You had the wrong pattern. Listen, Gideon, I think, had it when he said to the men, look on me and do likewise. Every child needs, you know, people always call me up on the phone. This is what they say. Brother Olaf, I've got a son, usually the mother. I've got a son, and his daddy left him when he was a baby. Or even while I was carrying him, he deserted us, and he didn't know anything. about. Now, what my boy needs, I've heard it a thousand times, what my boy needs is a father image. What she's saying, really, he needs a pattern. Now, the number one thing he needs, he needs a heavenly father image. See? Oh, he needs more. I, I've heard that so many times. said, well, he, he just needs a man. He just needs a man. Well, I believe that. I believe, I believe he does need. I, every boy needs. That's the reason I'd say to the girls, uh, no matter where you live or who you are, uh, if uh, you're going to have a little baby and you're not married, 
There's just one sensible thing to do, and that's to put in a Christian home and give the baby a daddy. I'd fight for anybody's home if you had a husband, and he was a Christian husband, but I'd say another thing. I'd never recommend that a girl marry some old sorry, dope-head, or immoral outfit just to give her baby a name. be the wrong name anyhow. Who'd want a baby named after somebody as sorry as he could be? I wouldn't. No, sir. I'd rather take that little baby, and I recommend it to anybody that ever talks with me on the phone or writes me a letter. I'd say I'd just take the baby. I'd find a real born-again, spirit-filled Christian couple that loved Jesus and say, I'm looking for a couple of babysitters. And I'd ask them every question I could ask them. If they smoke cigarettes, I'd say, you'll never get the baby I'm going to have. If you don't read the Bible and pray together and live for Christ and go to a Bible-preaching church and live clean, you'll never get the baby I'm going to have. I want my baby uh, to be so guided and led that I'll at least get to be with her when we get to heaven. I'd, I'd rather be with the baby in heaven than down here, really, because it's so short down here. And then you got to go work and make a living and leave the baby somebody else, and they don't care. All they want is that check when you come home from work. Isn't that right? You pay me. I don't care about your baby. Huh? This is a job. This is the way I make a living. I'd rather put it in the home in the arms of a mother and a daddy and say, look here, you take that child and rear it for me. And you better see to it that that baby meets me over in the better land. Now then, he said, I'm giving you a pattern, son, and I want you to go by it. All right. Now then, let's go over to the latter part, the 19th verse and the 20th verse. We'll find the other text and how precious that is. This would solve all of our problems tonight. If we just believe, this is not just for dads, this is for mothers, but this is for boys and for girls also. And this, said David, and all this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me. What you been doing, David? I've been reading what he wrote. What did you find? He said, I found what he wrote on Sinai. I found something God wrote. And you know what? He made me understand it. And now then, son, I've got to tell you about it, and we've got a Bible pattern by which we're going to go. And you know the thing that fouls people up, they get out of the Bible. There's only one pattern. It's a Bible pattern. It's a Bible pattern. And God's got a pattern for everybody's life in this book right here. And here's the thing that amazes me. Without a miracle, there must not be a master. I mean, if there's no miracles, Gideon asked the question, you said, Hail thou mighty man of valor. He said, Where are the miracles? If I'm a mighty man, where are the miracles? When Nicodemus came to Jesus in the third chapter of John, what did he say? He said, Where are the miracles? I mean, I want to know about the miracles. I've heard about them, but I want to know about them. And Jesus said, All right, we'll start by performing one on you. Dear friends, you've got to have a personal experience. You've got to have a miracle experience in salvation or you'll never believe in miracles. And the only reason these uh, New Testament, I mean these uh, newfangled preachers that are running around today don't believe in miracles, they must have not had a new birth in their own life. How, how could they keep from believing in a miracle? If they had had a real spiritual new birth and made a new creature in Christ, and the people have said, I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe it's necessary. You don't believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is just as essential. Uh, the, the, the new birth is essential, but the virgin birth. If I deny the virgin birth, I'll deny the new birth. You know why? The Holy Spirit gave both of them. I believe that the Bible said that uh, Mary was overshadowed by the Spirit of God, and uh, she was expecting 
He used to say, Brother Wolfe, do you, do you think a man with good sense would believe that? I got pretty good sense, and I believed it. I didn't have till I met Jesus. He gave me good sense. But I don't know of any good sense I had because good sense means God's sense. Amen? And I believe it. You'd say, but can you explain it? No, I can't. I don't have to explain it. I don't even understand how when I start that plane and the, that gasoline comes out of those wing tanks and auxiliary tanks and, and it begins to get in a certain place and explodes. You know how we came home? We came home in a constant explosion. I mean, we exploded all the way from Fort Worth to Corpus. I don't understand that. But I'll guarantee you, if that gasoline hadn't exploded, we'd have never been here. You say you're so smart you got to understand everything. You don't understand nothing. You don't understand anything. You just put it there. You don't even stand, understand your first birth. There's not anybody here smart enough to, to prove me who your mama is. Not to save your life. You say, well, I'm certainly not going to live by faith. I'll tell you that. Blind faith. Blind faith. Brother, my faith has two good eyes. But that's what they call it. Blind faith, you see. Well, I'll tell you what, you can call it blind if you want to. It's led me more and provided more for me than all the rest of it put together. I've gotten a lot more by faith than I ever got by sight. I got 75 cents a day for bailing hay by sight, and the Lord gives me $3,000 a day by faith. I like that better. You can just cuss and raise all the cane you want to, poor little thing. It's because you're spiritually blind, dead in trespasses and sin, and you think you can go back home and make it and be happy. You'll never make it be dead probably within 12 months. You can't imagine how vicious this world is. How awful. Oh, I wish sometimes uh, we could have one girl to leave our home and go to a higher level. But we never have had yet. We've never had one of our girls to go out of the home and said, I'll tell you what, I'm just tired of this living around here. I want better living. And I'm going to go up to a higher plane of living. And they go up to some great spiritual place and come back in a little while and said, now then, I've got the answer, and I want to help you poor souls out down here. I mean, I've been to the Bible conference, and I've learned the truth about salvation, about Jesus Christ, and I, I've, we've never had one to come back like that. They go away clean, come back dirty. They go away, seem like fairly happy, come back miserable. And the devil gets in his lick all along the trail. Be careful. Oh, listen, we better take heed, he said, to our ways. And he, and, and he said... The Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. He made me to understand the pattern. Now then, verse 20 is the closing text, and here it is. David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong, be strong, and of good courage. Don't be a sissy, be a soldier. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff.